Welcome to the Kerwin Baptist Church broadcast today. Our desire is for the Word of God to be spread throughout the world so that all may know Christ. Join us now for a portion of one of our services here at Kerwin Baptist Church, located in Kernersville, North Carolina. Micah chapter 6, and um, I'd like to deal with this subject this uh, morning. Will the Lord be pleased? Uh, If you'll notice in verse 7, he begins this verse, Micah does, Will the Lord be pleased? In verse 6 before that, he says this, Wherewith shall I come before the Lord? And so Micah is prophesying. He says what God has said at the first part of this chapter. And we're going to give you a little bit of history. And, and I understand, obviously, it's Christmas Day and, and all those good things. I've already been instructed by my sons and, and uh, even my spiritual wife that people have things to do. And uh, I try not to go long on Sunday mornings, obviously, anyway, normally. And, um, but there's no service tonight, so I have to make up for it. Look at verse 1, if you will. I'm picking. Verse 1. Hear ye now what the Lord saith. Arise, contend thou before the mountains, and let the hills hear thy voice. Hear ye, O mountains, the Lord's controversy, and ye strong foundations of the earth. For the Lord hath a controversy with his people. And he will plead with Israel. O my people, this is what the Lord is saying to Israel through Micah the prophet. O my people, what have I done unto thee, and wherein have I wearied thee? Testify against me. For I brought you up out of the land of Egypt, and redeemed thee out of the house of servants, and I sent before thee Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. O my people, remember now what Balak, king of Moab, consulted, and what Balaam, the son of Beor, answered him from Shittim in Gilgal, that ye may know the righteousness of the Lord. Now Micah, after giving the message of God, now he begins to talk with the people, and he asks this question, Wherewith shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with Calves of a year old, will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Micah is asking, well, what is it, what is it really that's required to please the Lord? Uh, obviously, God's done these things, and He's speaking with us today, and so... What is it that we need? What is it that really are, what do we have to have when we approach God? And what is it that we have to have for us to impress God and us to please God? And he asked these questions in verse 6. He says, you know, is it, do I have to um, come and, and, and like a traditional and bow before his presence? In verse 6 he says, do I need to bring burnt offerings? And do I need to find calves of a year old, obviously, which would be very expensive and, and the best that they could possibly give? Verse 7. He says, would would it take a thousand rams to please God? Would it take ten thousands of rivers of oil? Is that what I would need to approach God today to please Him? Would He be impressed with that? He said, how about if I would give my firstborn? What if I gave Him the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Would that, is that what He requires? Verse 8, Micah shares with the people, he says this, He hath showed thee, O man, what is good. And what doth the Lord require of thee? But to do justly, 
and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. Lord, we, le- we love you today and we need you. And Lord, I pray that you would help as our minds begin to prepare and plan and pray for each of our individual lives for 2017, our family decisions, our work, our home, our family, all the things that can transpire in a year. Lord, sitting in front of me are individuals that in some ways have had a great 2016 and in some ways have, can almost feel like they've had a rotten 2016. Lord, we have members sitting in a hospital right now that might not look at 2016 like the best memory they've ever had. And Lord, no man knows what a day may bring forth. And so, Lord, we need to know what is it that we need to come before you? What is it that you require? What is it that we need to do that really pleases you? And Lord, I pray that you would help us as we uncover and expound God's word, that it would be a help to everyone here. Lord, they have every excuse in the world that would probably, nobody would say a thing if they weren't at church today. And, and yet, Lord, they're here. So we want to make the most of this time. In Jesus' name we pray and ask it. Amen. Number one, I want you to see in verse one, two important things. This is what he says in verse one. And I don't know if you, you know, people say I grab a phrase and ring it out, I guess. But if you'll notice, this is what Micah says. Hear ye now what the Lord saith. Two things immediately as Micah begins to give them this sermon, I guess you would call it. He gives them a message from God and then he, he, he gives them basically a message from him. And he says this, hear ye now what the Lord saith. Two things I see right off the bat. Number one, it is important to hear what the Lord has to say. Do you agree with that? You know what, I think nowadays the Lord is saying a lot, we just don't hear it. So first off, Micah says, hey, listen, I'm getting ready to tell you what God has to say, but it's important that you hear it. The Bible says, don't just be hearers of the word, but doers of it. We can't be doers if we're not hearers. Notice, secondly, I believe not only is it important that we hear what the Lord has to say, but second, I see here it's important that the man of God finds out what God has to say. Micah is saying, hear now what the Lord saith. And and may I ask you in this year, you ought to pray for me as your pastor. I hope you are anyway. And I don't mean that in selfish ways, but I mean it in desperate ways, in dependent ways. I I need help and I need your prayer. And you know what? It's a big responsibility, at least on, you know, three to four and sometimes five occasions during a week that, uh, well, I guess five or six between Sunday school and Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night and men's meeting or Bible studies or whatever the case might be. It, it is my responsibility and it is a heavy responsibility to find out and figure out and pray through and say, God, what is your message this week? And then it is up to you and me to hear that message. Notice verse 2. I see a couple of things about this. And, and the big thing is this, that God has a controversy. With his people, the Bible says. Now, I'm going to tell you something. It is one thing if people have an issue against you. It is one thing if a friend or a church member or just, you know, somebody you know. It is one thing if they have issue with you for something. But may I say this morning, it's a totally different thing if God does. I don't know about you. I don't want God to have controversy with me. That word controversy means issue. He has something that's bothering him. 
Something that's not quite right. And I don't know about you, in 2017, I don't want to go through a year of controversy with God. Because God wins that every time. I notice thirdly in Micah's message here that in verse 3 that God asks a question here. And, and I'm setting all this up and don't, don't get worried. You'll make the turkey or whatever your ham or whatever you're having. In verse 3, God asks what he has done to them. Now this is interesting. Look at verse 3. Oh, my people, what have I done unto thee? And wherein have I wearied thee? God asked two questions of his people. The, and I don't know about you, I think this is a very good question. He asks first before he even gets in. Uh, he says, I got a controversy. I've got an issue with some things of how you're treating me and, and different things. And, and notice what God says. What is it that I've done to you? And may I ask you that question this morning? And I'm going to be honest with you. I, I think it's a very good question to ask. What has God done to you? You know, oftentimes we have come up with all kinds of reasons why we're upset with God or God's house, whatever the case. But can I ask you something? What, what, what really has he done to you? Can you really find bad and wrong that he's done to you? If you're like me, if you really look and ask yourself the question, what is it that God has done to you? It is nothing but good. God is saying, did I cause this? What is it that I've done to you? And you know, you and I can get bent out of shape very easily about a lot of things. But we blame God for a lot and we praise him for a little, don't we? God says, what have I done to you? Then he asked, secondly, what have I done to grieve you or disgust you? You say, well, what do you mean? Well, that's exactly what that word means, wearied, in verse 3. It means to grieve or disgust. God is saying, you know, obviously because of the way you're treating me, God says, I've done something to bother you or grieve you or what is it that I've done? And I'll be honest, if every one of us took a stand today and a judge sat here and we had to take an oath and God approached our little witness stand and he says, what is it that God has done to you? What have I done to you? We could come up with all kinds of things, but I think that our excuses would fall short. God hadn't done anything wrong to us. God hasn't been mean to us. God's not done anything in our life that we just didn't deserve. And it just wasn't fair. That's not God. Notice the fourth thing I see in verse 4 is God immediately follows that question with a statement. He tells them what he has done to them. Just in case they have forgotten or getting a little bit confused. And, you know, when you say, what has God done to you? We might come up with two or three things. Well, will you let this sickness come into my life. And, God, you did this and you allowed this to happen. My wife and I were talking this week because the last time Christmas was on a Sunday was the year Caden was born. And he was in the hospital and never made it out. Obviously, he was born in October. And we spent Christmas, obviously, tried to get over here with the boys to um, open gifts and got here to church. And that church drove to Chapel Hill, spent the rest of the day uh, Christmas there with Caden and different things. And, 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 you know, that's the last time Christmas is on a Sunday. And, and so it was obviously a very busy day, and, as all those months were when he was born. And, and I'm going to be honest with you, we can sit and say, what has God done to you? And we might come up with two or three things that we think is going to make a good point. Well, you let my son have this, and, and, and you made us go through such and such. But God 
tells us in the next verse, in verse 4, look what he says to them. He says, For I brought thee up out of the land of Egypt and redeemed thee out of the house of servants. Is that not exactly what God has done for us? Look at these two things. Number one, he brought you up, didn't he? Then the Bible says he brought us up out of the miry clay and set us upon a rock. May I say whatever you or I might think God has done to us, let me tell you what he did do to us. He brought us up out of a very horrible place. Notice, secondly, God says, I redeemed thee out. He brought us up out. He brought us up, redeemed thee out. I love this. And redeemed thee out of the house of servants. He said, I brought you out and I redeemed you. And that's exactly what God's done for you exactly what he did for can i tell you something great to really be thankful for on a christmas day if you have given your heart to christ and you have been saved by the grace and the blood of christ can i tell you something we are blessed this is what god did to you he made redemption possible that's what he did It's as if God says, well, what is it that I've done to you? Well, let me tell you what I've done to you. I brought you up out of a horrible place. I redeemed you out of servanthood. You were nothing but servants and slaves to sin and in Egypt. But I have brought you up out of that, and I've redeemed you. God's been good to us, hasn't he? Look at verse 6 and 7, number 5. This is all groundwork before I give you the four main points. You're like, oh, Lord, this is getting worse. In verse 6 to 7, Micah asks a question. He says, how am I supposed to approach God? And what is it that will please him? And, and, and look at me, I want you to get this. Micah's saying God has a controversy with us. He has issue with us. We're not doing him right. We're not doing right by God. And, and God has made his point that he has done all these things for us. We have no excuse, no reason not to do everything that God demands. So what is it that I need to approach God? And what is it that I need to, to do to please God? And he asked these questions. Notice number one, he says, do I need to give a sacrificial offering? Look at verse six. He says this. Should I come before him with burnt offerings? With calves of a year old. Calves of a year old was expensive and some people would work an entire month to be able to afford that because they were so popular for sacrifice. And and, and he's saying this, do I need to have some kind of a sacrificial offering to please God? Is that what he requires? Is that what I need to provide? But you know what? That would be a problem with that because if, if if that's what God demanded, do you know a lot of people couldn't afford that particular sacrifice? So that means only a few people would have access to the blessing of God. He says, do I need a sacrifice? Notice, secondly, he says, do I need a substantial offering? Look at verse 7. He says, will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams? So while we're talking about it, let's just say, Micah says, is this what you have to have to please God? Do you not just have to give him a ram, but do you have to give him the thousand rams? Do you need to give him a substantial offering? Look, he says, or 10,000 of rivers of oil. Is that what God requires? You see, dear friend, I want you to understand if God required sacrificial offerings, some of us don't have as much to sacrifice. And if God required a substantial offering, some of us don't have the means to come up with a substantial offering. 
Notice thirdly, he says, do I need to provide a suffering offering? Do I need to suffer to please God? Notice what he says. Should I give my firstborn for my transgression? Maybe the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul. Maybe that's what God needs. Maybe that's what God has to have. Maybe it's a sacrificial offering. Maybe he needs a substantial offering. Maybe I need to suffer. Maybe he needs a suffering offering. Maybe that's what God requires. And dear friend, I'm here to tell you, none of those things are what God requires. Can I tell you a little bit of something about this sacrifice thing? And maybe I've got to, and by the way, I'm going somewhere with all this because there's a whole lot of people in church that think, if I do all these things, God will be happy with me. Can I read you a verse, 1 Samuel 15, verse 22? Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. And to hearken, listen to this, than the fat of rams. <laughs> Micah said, do I need to get, sacrifice all these things? Do I need to bring maybe a thousand rams? And, and here we're told in Samuel that God would rather you just obey his voice than to give him a bunch of stuff. Amen. Are y'all with me this morning? Amen. It's Christmas. Yes, sir. I know the kids' minds are on toys, but they're doing awesome today, by the way. Look at verse 8. I love this. Isn't this something that this entire passage, he speaks to Israel about Israel, but in verse 8 when he gives instruction, he uses the words, Oh man. That means this. It goes for Israel and it goes for those that aren't in Israel. It's not just Jewish people. It's not just God's chosen people. You listen. If you've been redeemed, you need to listen to what God requires. This is what I want to encourage you in 2017. This is what God requires. Are you ready? Listen to this. Do you know that some people couldn't have rams? Some people couldn't afford oil. Some people couldn't make a substantial offering. But what God requires, anybody can give it. Number one. Finally, a new screen. Number one, God requires character. This is what God requires, but to do justly. That word justly means correct, right, lawful. It means that God says, as you approach me, I don't necessarily demand a thousand rams, and I don't demand rivers of oil, and I don't even demand that you sacrifice your child like I'm going to do. But what I do require is that you do right. Yes, sir. This speaks of our discipline. It speaks of what is on the inside. And listen to me, folks, once you get this. To do justly means that you would have to think justly. Because you know our thoughts control our actions. So for God, with him to say, do justly, that means that automatically we would have to think justly. And to think justly means that your mind has to be right and clean, and it has to be godly. And for your mind to be clean and godly, it's got to be saturated with God's word. Listen, I want you to get this. God tells us to do justly, but so many people are trying to do right when their mind and heart are wrong. 
They're trying to produce a clean product from a filthy source. God simply says, do right. Not just when it's convenient. Not just when it's easy. Not just when it's simple. We give a lot of excuses why we may or may not have done right in certain situations. And we say things like, well, I just couldn't help it. Well, it just got a hold of me. Well, I I just can't fight it. But God says there's really no excuse and there's really no decision for us to make. Just do right. You might not be able to afford this and afford that. You might not be able to bring some great sacrificial offering. But God says, for you to please me, I simply ask for you to do right. Secondly, not just does he demand character, but secondly, he demands compassion. He says we are to love mercy. This speaks of our demeanor. Character speaks of our discipline, but compassion speaks of our demeanor. Character is what's on the inside. Compassion is what's on the outside. It's how we treat others. God says here that we must love mercy. You say, preacher, what does that mean? It means that we literally delight in it. It it means that we are so glad when we finally have opportunity to do something kind and compassionate for somebody. It means we don't just do it. It means we love it. It means that we as God's people should be so full of God's word that we just don't want to just show people mercy. We love it when we get to. Wow. Anybody learning a little something today? Anybody say, well, Christmas offering, we're supposed to, hey, you know, ring some bells and go home. No, 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 no. No church tonight. No come back. Get it all in now. Listen to me. God hates it when we pile on a bunch of stuff for him. But we treat people like dogs. God says, hey, you can come sit that big costly offering down. And you can go right back home because I don't accept it. If you don't do right and if you don't treat people right, I'm not pleased. God demands character and he demands compassion. So much more I would say to that. Number three, God demands condescension. You say, well, you just came up with a C word, right? Yep, that's exactly it. (laughs) But it is biblical. God says this, to walk humbly. This speaks of our duty. Characters are discipline and compassions are demeanor. But condescension is our duty. God says that you must walk humbly to approach me. You must walk humbly to please me. You say, preacher, what do you mean it's biblical? Romans 12, 16, listen to this. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. You say, preacher, what does that mean? Get this before we go this morning. It is one thing to put yourself under those who you see as higher than you. But it's another thing for you to put yourself under those that you see lower than you. 
God didn't say just condescend to men. He said condescend to men of. Then look at me. Woo! That means we are supposed to be so humble that we are even under the people we see as low. I mean, somebody's got some wealth, somebody's got some fame, somebody's got some clout, whatever. We don't mind kind of acting humble around them. God bless you. Bless God, somebody doesn't look good, smell good, act good. All of a sudden now, we're over them. God says, if you want to please me, you take that big pile of offering. You just go ahead and take it back home. Because if you still see yourself above other people, then you're not pleasing me. You can bring your big gift and say, ah, oh, look how big, look how much bigger my gift is than that guy's. God said, I'd rather somebody like that widow just give me a mite, but to do it out of love and humility before God, than for you to do all this and still see yourself above others. Romans 12, 3. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Number four, and we're done. God requires character, do justly. God requires compassion, you need to love mercy. God requires condescension, you need to walk humbly. But this is the biggest, the greatest, the most needed Number four, God requires communion. He said, you got to do justly. you got to love mercy. you got to walk humbly. But you've got to do it with your God. With thy God. Character speaks of our discipline. Compassion speaks of our demeanor. Condescension speaks of our duty. But communion speaks of our dependence. I can't do anything, go anywhere, unless I'm doing it with God. God says, you do that. That pleases me. You might not have as much as so-and-so or those or whatever, and they might be looking down on you, but you spent time with me. So I'm pleased. I'll be honest with you, it... It wouldn't mean a whole lot to me if my wife never talked to me, never did anything with me, always avoided me. It's just we, some, our names are on the checking account maybe together and, and we live at the same address, but she had nothing to do with me, never talked with me, never communicated with me, but at Christmas bought me 20 gifts. And on Christmas morning, she would say, I got these for you. And I opened all 20 gifts and I said, oh, how wonderful. Thank you so much. And, and, and I just appreciate it so much. And then she just went on other things, never talked to me again for another year. Now you say, well, aren't you lucky? You got a wife that got you 20 gifts. <laughs> See, some of you men know what it feels like to do that. So some of you are like, you just described my life. Anyway, I'm picking. You know what? Can I tell you something? I'd rather not get anything under that tree. I'd rather not have one gift wrapped. I'd rather not have one pair of socks given. 
and have my wife love me, care for me, talk to me, and stay close to me all year long. Y'all agree with that? God says, it is one thing to act right and it's one thing to treat people right, but only a close walk with me will keep you right. God doesn't follow us, folks. We follow him. He didn't say, let God walk with you. He says, what I require is that you walk with me. This is what God requires. Without these four things, the most costly sacrifices are worthless. Without these four things, the most dedicated service is absolutely meaningless. Micah says, do I need to bring all this to approach God? And he looks at the people and he said, God's already told us what's good. This is what God requires. To do justly. To love mercy. To walk humbly. And to do it with God. Thank you for listening today. We hope you received a blessing from our broadcast. The Kerwin Baptist Church is located at 4520 Old Hollow Road in Kernersville, North Carolina. You may also contact us by phone at 336-993-5192 or via the web at kerwinbaptistchurch.com. Enjoy our services live and all our media on our website and church app. Thank you for listening to the Kerwin broadcast today. God bless you.